Hi, it's Dan here for Dusty Discs Radio, and this is the podcast Liner Notes, revealing chats with Canada's retro music makers. Today, I'm very happy to have as my special guest, Aerostar Francis, a multifaceted talent who's been a very successful musician. With over 35 years in the music business, he's been both out front on stage and behind the audio board as an engineer producer, recording a variety of projects for artists. And Errol is a multi-award winner for radio and television broadcast production, as well as a Juno award-winning singer-songwriter and a SoCan Songwriter of the Year recipient in the 1980s. We'll get some insights from his career inside the Canadian music scene and see what he's up to now. So thanks for joining me today, Errol. How are you? Oh, fantastic, Dan. Thank you so much for inviting me on to Liner Notes. Um, it's going to be a pleasure. Well, I appreciate it. You know, it's funny because I uh, one of the things that's been a benefit for me from doing the Liner Notes podcast is I get to research and, and sort of reacquaint with people who I've heard of or had some uh, association with over the years. And then I checked your stuff out and, and what a positive vibe and so many stuff, the different things that you're doing and stuff. Very, very impressive, I must say. Very good. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 It's been a great, uh, you know, career, uh, in, in, in behind the scenes as well as being, being in front, um, you know, on stage and doing that. So it's been, it's been fantastic. And, and, um, yeah, so we were having a great time. Yeah. My family and I are here. Yeah. Uh, we're now in Hamilton area and right. uh, we've been here for a while now, so it's oh, pretty neat. good. So, so you were born in Jamaica and you made your way to Toronto with your family, I assume, and then ended up in Hamilton. Yeah, born in Jamaica, we migrated to England and uh, spent oh. some time there. Um, yeah. And then my dad was looking for a brighter future, and he, he had an opportunity to come to Canada to uh, uh, do some spot welding and, and things like that. So right. he came over first, and then uh, three months or so later, the whole family came over oh, on nice. the ship. And that was fantastic. Uh, I had my birthday on the ship, and it was one of those... Oh, crazy times but very very memorable you know yeah. it, it just you know itched a, a a whole vibe in my mind and heart yeah yeah that's a a nice success story and and you find yourself in canada and your dad i guess was a musician so it says here that he played in a reggae band and so you yeah. had that vibe and that feel from from birth i guess Absolutely, absolutely. Well, our house was completely musical because um, okay. he played, um, and and we always had music playing. Anyways, my mother was a singer, and, yeah. um, and you know, my grandparents were, and had a church, and the choir was always around, and yeah. so it was it was a lot of um, a lot of music going on in our house, and of course, a lot of it was reggae, Bob Marley, and oh, Peter yeah. Tosh, and and that, yeah. and and then you know, my dad started a band in, oh, in cool. Kitchener Waterloo that's where we yeah. were living at the time when we moved from England yeah. uh, we lived in Kitchener and then um, you know halfway through his his band he was looking for a guitar player and I had just started playing guitar hmm. um, I think I was about 14 14 years old and uh, he had bought me um, a Gibson melody maker which was wow. like at the time, yeah. I didn't know what it was, but it was, it was a guitar and it was good. Uh, yeah, it was good. <laughs> and, uh, and he brought me um, a little amp and I started playing away with, you know, in the basement doing my thing and trying to figure it out, bought books. And, uh, and one day he walked by and he heard me playing. I think I was playing something like a stairway to heaven or something. Yeah. Like that, right? And he goes, wow, you really good. You want to join a band? <laughs> I said, join your band? Oh, yeah. sure. Because I mean, I've heard the music already, right? So it was already yeah, ingrained in me. So, you know, catching up with um, Bob Marley or, you know, Peter Tosh or, you know, any reggae vibes that was happening, it was 
it was already ingrained in me, so it was easy to pick up. And well, that was yeah. the, that was the beginning. That was the yeah. beginning of me um, doing it. Wasn't that neat? Because I've talked to lots of musicians who, you know, from the East Coast and stuff. But I mean, kitchen music, as it's sometimes called, was a big deal, right? Everybody plays, you know. Like I, I'm from Guelph. Actually, I was born in Guelph, mm. and uh, you know, your uncle plays banjo, grandfather plays the fiddle, exactly, you know, and you just exactly. play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so, and um, yeah, I mean, everybody got involved in it, and the band, uh, the reggae band, was doing really well. It was, you know, Kitchen Waterloo's kind of top band, and but that area, area Kitchen Waterloo, was kind of a hub for um, Caribbean um, migrants that came from either the Caribbean directly or via England. Yeah. Uh, and there was, there was a lot of people, and it really started to be a community of people there, uh, and which started multiple things such as their own club and uh, things like that so yeah. it was a really good place to uh, to grow up and to hone my music skills well yeah and, and then you got the full benefit of you know having the influence of everything right you got the r&b the reggae the rock the blues even country like like for us that grew up i don't know your age we're probably similar in age but uh, when you grow up in that era you you have it all yeah, yeah, and and that's really the thing that I I'm seeing now that's people that's not happening with people. They don't get a chance to to look at all the genres and and mm. incorporate them into their into their vibrations. Yeah. Um, yeah, in the reggae band, we played R and B and soca and funk and you know it was all of that stuff, and I got to learn how to play all of it. But then you know I'd come home at night and I'd turn on, you know, Robin Trower yeah, <laughs> or, or sure. a foot in cold waters, you know, yeah. so it's a whole, you know, growing up was like, okay, the reggae band funk over here. And then over here was like this, you know, rock and, uh, you know, almost folky. I mean, I was listening to Anne Murray and, oh, sure. you know, it was, and Cat it was Stevens all of, and Cat Stevens. Taylor, yeah, like the, absolutely. You know. um, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was quite a plethora of music that was, uh, yeah. I was surrounded by. So I was really enjoying that, um, growing up. But don't you think also the multi-influence makes us all better and, you know, it just. Absolutely. Absolutely. It widens your scope, you know, and which is great for me. Cause when I, you know, started to do more, um, stuff behind the scenes like on in the on the, on the console and and producing and stuff like that it gave me a quite a range to mm. draw from yeah um in terms of uh feels and in terms of sonic uh placement and things like that so yeah. it was great yeah well that's what i noticed about you you've got that smooth sort of rich voice and you're comfortable with various types of music and feels which is mm -hmm. extremely mm -hmm. important and especially like you said when you're producing someone else you got to get the vibe of what they're doing more. It's more than just the scales, right? I mean, any of us that you know, yeah. we understand, right? It's, it's not just the notes and the scales. It's the vibe that really. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we, you know, again, early in my high school years when I'm still in my dad's band, but you know, we're still in high school, right? So yeah, right. <laughs> I had to go get a, a note from the LCBO to be able to play in the band. Oh wow! Because cool. I was so young, yeah, uh, it was like, okay, how do we do this with a liquor control board? Blah blah blah. I had to go get a note from uh, them so I could wow. play. But um, then I started a band in in school in high school, and uh, that was my first real band um, as a well, it was my band, so it was called Phase at that time, and all of us went to um, uh, WCI uh, in Waterloo and. 
we just, you know, we just played uh, high schools. We played small clubs um, and we did everything from, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin, Kiss, uh, Cretans Clearwater Revival, yeah. and just really amazing stuff. The Eagles, man, Doobie Brothers, you know, you name yeah. it. It was the good stuff. No, those are good days. And and that's one thing I've talked to some young people about and and that, you know, when we were growing up in the sixties and seventies, for me, you cut your teeth on that. You get a bunch of guys together and you work out the songs and you hammer them out and some of them are good and some aren't, but you pay your dues in a sense. And, and some of the young people are missing that experience if they don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the really f- good thing about uh, Canada, and I know I've talked to you people from the United States that said, geez, you know, you don't, we don't have a circuit down there. Like here, mm. we had a, a way to go from club to um, theaters to uh, high schools. I mean, high schools were huge back huge. in the day. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and you got a chance to play almost every night if you could, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that really honed the band. That really got you together and and really yeah. tight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I really relished those times because it really showed what the band was all about. You really got to gel. You got to know each other. You got to really make things click. Nowadays, it's more. You know, it's 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 tougher because everybody's got their own deal and maybe they're jobbing two gigs. <laughs> yeah, so. and there are a lot of gigs are one offs. Like for us, you know, you have a bad night, then you go back the next night and you and you get your positive energy back and you go up there and you make it better. And those exactly. are the things that hone your skill and make you get you know get back on the horse. You know, we've all had bad nights or nights when your throat isn't right or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you, that's oh, part yeah. of paying your dues, right? So it is, and learning about how your body you know, works with this stuff. You learn real fast. (laughs) Oh yeah. So I have to ask you before we go any further, your, your name was spelt with two L's. Errol was two L's and it's one L now. Why, why is that? You dropped an L. Well, the, that's my original spelling of the name, uh, Errol with one L. Okay. Um, just, you know, I, I'm into things like numerology and right. um, metaphysics and things like that. So when we changed the name Errol Star to Errol Star, the, adding the one L changed the vibration of the name. Okay. I just yeah. put it, I'll put it that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was, I was just curious because sometimes, you know, there's been stories where somebody misspells a name and they just leave yeah. it or something. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. It wasn't that at all. It was, yeah. uh, it was done on purpose to, to keep my original intention of me, okay. who I am, yeah. uh, moving forward and, and adopting this this other name uh, as a stage persona, okay. um, but I still wanted it to be my vibration, not something outside of me, but coming from within me. Right. Okay. Fair that enough. Makes I, sense. Yeah. I appreciate that. No, I, I was just curious because, uh, you know, like I said, I, it, it, I noticed it, so I just mm-hmm. thought I'd ask you about it, but I uh, appreciate mm-hmm. your answer. So then, so you're paying your dues, you got all these different influences, you're uh, out there gigging, and then w- what made you decide that you could pursue a career? Like, did you have sort of defining moment thinking oh, I could do this? Wow. Well, like the band uh, Phase in the high school, you know, we were just sort of jamming and getting together on the, we didn't have any gigs really. We just had, you know, we had a, a, a patio party, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Those kind of things. <laughs> For your yeah. friends. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then- we had the opportunity to play WCI, the high school. Okay, and it was a it was a um, afternoon thing, and we said sure. Uh, they were doing some 
it was an art project and they wanted a band and they said, okay, yeah, we'll play. And when we played and we played the songs, I think, I can't remember what we, which ones, I think it was the Doobie Brothers, uh, Long Train Coming or something like that. We played a couple songs and girls start screaming. It's <laughs> like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, really. People started you know, going crazy and people started coming in the auditorium in droves. And yeah. what happened was the teachers, the teachers were freaked out. They were like, Oh my God, who, what is this? What's going on? And since we, since then that point, we was, we thought we got something. Let's, let's try and go for it. And at that point, um, all the teachers kind of look down the nose at us like, oh, you guys, you know, what are you guys doing? You think you're something else. And, and we, we went off looking for an agent, an agency. Okay. We, we found an agency in, in Kitchener-Waterloo. I think it was DRAM back yeah. then. Huh. Yeah. And uh, and they came out to see us a couple times, and they booked us in every flipping high school that you, wow. from from Sarnia to Windsor to wow. yeah, Ottawa. We did every high school north and south. You very know. cool. Yeah, that it was, was very, like you said, that was a big circuit back then. And you're still in your teens at this point. Uh, yeah, we were wow. still in our teens, and sometimes we would do we would do almost two high schools. Uh, we do like an afternoon thing and then right. drive somewhere else to do an, an evening, you yeah. know, dance. Right. And yeah. that's how we cut our teeth really very doing cool. every one of those high schools. <laughs> um, Isn't that neat? It well, was very cool. cool. I remember because uh, they would sometimes have a noon sock hop or they'd have a, yeah, you know, a band exactly. come in, play for lunch hour. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's it neat. was great. So, so then did you have a plan? Like, like, so you thought, okay, we can make something out of this. Did you develop a plan or, or how much? Well, not really. Happen? No. Yeah. I mean, we were, you know, kids and we were having yeah. fun. We're doing stuff and, and we just really liked playing music. Uh, and in front of people, we found that to be quite exhilarating. And the, the audience was accepting of, of, you know, who we are. People were kind of freaked out that, oh, here's this black guy singing all this stuff. It's kind of <laughs> wild. And I didn't take it like anything. I just, yeah. I'm just me, right? I just do my thing. Um, but it was, it was, it, it became a kind of a, a novelty in a way, but uh, whatever, we just went with it, you know? Yeah. So, and then we started looking for other and bigger gigs and uh, one came along, we, there was a battle of the bands in Kitchener Waterloo. And um, we thought we'd enter that, you know, and obviously we're getting more influenced by other groups and, the one night, the band, we went to see Kiss. They came to Kitchener. Okay. And and that turned my head inside out, right, no. when I saw that. Because, I mean, it became, it's not just a band that goes up and play. It's an entertainment, right? Yeah, They sure. entertained. They had a whole thing going on. Yeah, you know, the makeup and all that stuff was, it was, you know, at the time was like, whoa, that, yeah. that's not me. But still, it's like they came and, 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 and just gave it. Right. Yeah. And we took a note out of that book and we went, look at, if we're going to go on stage, we're not going to go up with, you know, just ripped jeans and a jean jacket and, you know, look like the regular bands. Yeah. That's fine. Let's get up and do something. That's like, a little, of course we went into the glam era, right? That's okay. That Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I love it. And, 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 um, and we went off to Toronto and got these high, you know, boots we went and got some velvet stuff and cool. you know we started to look really we went and bought dry ice machine and the smoke machine and we had this incredible um 
genius of a lighting guy that created, you know, incredible yeah. lighting structures and things. And then we did the Battle of the Bands in Kitchen Waterloo and we brought it, all yeah. of this stuff. And well, we were disqualified for being too professional. Oh, wow. So they wanted <laughs> amateur bands and you, you didn't come across as enough of an amateur? No, we weren't amateur <laughs> enough. It was okay. We went, okay, yeah, that's great. I'm fine. I mean, you know, who won it was Helix. And that that's fine too, because we know those guys, you know. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, Brian yeah. And, and, and the and Derner brothers. Yeah. So it was all cool. And we said, okay, well, fine. If you, if you think we're too professional, we, we'll take that. Yeah. That's fine. And um and we started branching out, trying to do some dates in Toronto, but yeah. it was tougher to do that. And and then getting into the clubs in Toronto was, you know, not yeah, working at all. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it does get, I mean, as you're going up, up in rank, I suppose is one way to put it, then it gets a little more challenging, right? It does. And then then you're, you're in somebody else's territory and we're talking agencies. I mean, there's a little bit of politics that go along with that, but we were, we were, we were, you know, open to, you know, stretching ourselves and, um, you know, we, we hooked up with other agencies that would had uh, other territories that we could go into. And uh, we did deals with them and, and we, we got into some places. But, you know, nothing beat uh, playing the high school circuit. Yeah. <laughs> just, just nothing well, beat it because you're in a concert, you're you're performing and, uh, and you're out. Well, that's the thing is, too, I guess some of the young people now don't realize how big of a deal it was, but the, the audience was really enthusiastic and just loved live music was the bomb, right? I mean, that was the coolest thing in the world is to have this live band and that the high school students are always rushing and pressing the front of the stage and dancing. And they were just a super fun time. And there was tons of them. Every school had dances, basically. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, good times. Really good It times. was. It was wonderful. So, so did you hit the circuit? You you went out and toured a fair bit and did the bars and the clubs and stuff? Well, we 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 tried um and then and then things got a little crazy within the band in terms of um, personalities and things like that. I mean, you know, that happens. Common story. Um, yeah. And yeah. um I ended up leaving the band and moving to Toronto because okay. I figured you know, if I'm going to make a dent in anything, I'm going to have to be in the territory that I make the dent in. So I ended up moving to Toronto and it was, you know, it was bittersweet just because just things, you know, the band was the band, but it didn't work. It works for some things, but other things it wasn't working. And I thought I'd like to stretch my wings a little bit. And so I I moved to Toronto and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I got a gig right away. Um, and uh, the band was called Actual Size, and we opened, start opening for you know people like Frank Soda and Gatto, and, and yep. you know so that was the step up cool. to me. And um, we started, and I had my I had my eyes on uh, getting to the Gasworks. That was that was the big yeah. you know the big gig, right? If you were <laughs> a band, in, you know, in Toronto, you're top of the heap, you're playing the Gasworks, right? So. Yeah, well, Frank Frank played there. I had Frank on. He's he lives out here now. I'm, I'm, he's oh, is that right? Mine. Yeah, he's oh, a friend of great. mine. So he played the Gasworks lots because he had the whole show and the shtick. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing, right? It's the show. Yeah. Right? yeah. If you don't, if you come with the show, then you know you you you're doing something a little bit more than just you know I'm playing a bunch of songs. You know, we can go listen to your album, listen to whatever. But yeah, when you come and see them. If you're you're you, you got to have that on so that you basically you're blowing their face off with the show there it is right so 
that's something that we worked on. And um, actual size was was doing really well, and we were doing some really great stuff and opening some some really great um, uh, artists. And and we were playing at a high school one night, and um, I was scouted by this other group called Harbinger. Okay. <laughs> they were a Toronto band, and um, they've been around for a while. They were looking for a lead singer, and they came out to this high school <laughs> that we we're playing yeah. in downtown in Toronto, um, off Dundas. And, uh, they made me an offer that I, you know, wanted to take up. And, uh, and so I joined Harbinger and basically reconstructed their live show. Cause again, I needed to have a show, not yeah. just a series of songs. Right. And so we went into rehearsal for, I don't know, those four or five weeks and uh we came out of that and at the time the band was i think we we're probably making you know maybe it was um you know, 700 bucks a night we got it i got the band up to three thousand dollars a night nice yeah just just because we changed the whole format of the show yeah. and really wanted um to do a presentation and yeah. uh and everybody in the band was involved in it i mean i was a lead singer but we had other singers that were great singers, Spatch, uh, Mahal. Yeah. You know, we had great singers that that could put it put it out there as well. So we all and I played guitar as well. It's so not every time yeah. I would uh, just be the front person. I would play guitar and 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 jump in there and do that too. So yeah. it was a really amazing band uh, to to work with, and we really gained a lot of notoriety in the whole uh, Toronto and surrounding area scene really fast. Nice. Yeah. Well, you make a good point. I mean, it must've been flattering for you for them to come down and, and ask you to join their band. But then the, my manager about probably 25 years ago, sat me down and he said, you know, Dan show rhymes with dough. And if you, <laughs> you want to make money, you got to put on a show. Otherwise you're just, a, as you said, a band that plays a series of songs. You have 12 songs in your set and you play those songs and then you, and you take a break. Exactly. He said, I can't sell that. I can sell a show. Right. You know, so right. you make a great point and, and good for you for doing it and for recognizing it so young too. Mm -hmm. Well, so. I mean, we saw, we saw the bands that were really the top and they all had a show. I mean, we did yeah. Queen. I mean, to see and watch Queen, that was a mind blowing. Just yeah. to see that, that whole <laughs> performance, you know, and Kiss of course did their thing. So yeah, we took, we took the hint from, the bands that were actually, you know, making waves and doing great things to have a show. Right. That was the way to go with it. Yeah. And your point with Kiss is a good one because even Garth Brooks said that. Like he took a lot of his cues from Kiss. <laughs> it doesn't have to be Kiss. You know, you're not, no, you're not trying to be them. You just have to no. be entertaining, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Garth so, Brooks. Yeah. I love him. <laughs> well, because he said that, that that's where he took a lot of inspiration for the show part of it. And he did all yeah. kinds of stuff that. Yeah. You know, absolutely. So. Um, Absolutely. So then you're, so you're kicking around in that band and then it's, so I read here that you released some singles. So did you record the singles that like holding out for you and the key and love of money? And it, those were no, well, after? See, no, this is all after now. So what happened with, uh, with Harbinger is that, and we were, you know, we were really close. I mean, you know, we could smell the deal coming and, and everything. We were on tour uh, out East and at the time, there was a, a change in management in the management structure. And since I was I was not a full member, I was kind of like a hired gun, so to speak, just yeah. to say that. But that's okay. I didn't mind that. But uh, I, I needed my voice to be heard. And one of the things that was happening was um, we were in the Q107 contest that year. And 
you know, we kind of had a feeling um, that we were, you know, either number one or number two, and we were close to being getting that. We sort of had an inside track to, to know these things. And then our, the management at the time of Harbinger decided to pull us out of the Q107 contest. Oh. And I was like, why are we doing this? And the answer was, well, we have, you know, deals on the table and possibly blah, 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 and this would interfere. And I said, listen, I, uh, I'm at a place where let's do all the deals. Let's do it all. It doesn't matter if there's a deal on the table. There's a deal in front of us right now. Let's do it all. Let's take that one and take that one and take that one. What's wrong with that? And uh, it fell on deaf ears. And hmm. we ended up bowing out of the Q107 contest. And, and and I had a call from some of the people there, and they said, they were like, "What are you guys doing?" Yeah, <laughs> that was that was that was it, right? Huh. That was it for me. I said, "I'm gonna, I'm leaving the band. When we get back to Toronto. I'm out. Yeah, I don't have a voice here." So that year, um, honeymoon suite won. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Like for the listeners who aren't aware, but that that Q107 thing was a big deal, right? I mean, if you, it was if you a huge well. deal. So- it was. It was massive because um, it said that you you you're you're number one at radio. You can be at radio in a heartbeat, and uh, you know anybody coming out with a record that was that was this, the place to be. If you were in the Q107 contest, you got heard, and then um, possibility of winning was yeah. you know everything. The platform and the and the um, exposure you get is, in that case was was excellent because it was you know so yeah so yeah so I guess you're you're feeling like you're not uh, your say you're not getting your say in the band you're kind of a hired gun but you're but th- that's the rub there I guess because they want you to it commit is. and they want you to be full on board you know as far as uh, you know promoting the band and and moving you forward but then when it comes to your say you're kind of a side guy yeah yeah it was kind of like that and. Hmm. Um, it was unfortunate because I mean we did put a lot of energy and effort into into the songs and we created some really great tracks and, and they were recorded, uh, never really re- officially released. Okay. Uh, and uh, and and at, like at the time, I was just I had had it up to my eyeballs, yeah. and I just said, I'm, "When we get back to Toronto, I'm out." And and that's what happened. I I left and I took a hiatus um, for about a year. And I went into writing, uh, wrote some new music for myself. And then um, I started putting out demos uh, and caught the ear of a few uh, people at, at the label. And, and obviously, they were already looking my way because of Harbinger. Yeah. And they were like, well, what happened to that? And I told them what happened to that. So they were quite interested in me as a solo artist. And, and so it was like, okay, so I'm not quite ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hang on to your horses and uh kept writing and 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 i really wanted to do something that was again just truly out of my heart it was this r&b slash funk slash rock slash pop kind yeah. of conglomeration kind of new wave-ish too i hear in there a little yeah, bit the synth you know, and- it had it had all all the, the stuff in it and and that was me that was truly yeah out of my um uh, out of my heart this is what i i wanted to do so we put a put the thing together and we had some really amazing um musicians eddie bullen keyboard player uh, michael st Clair, guitar player just uh, awesome uh randy cook drummer uh, just amazing uh yeah. musicians uh, dean um oh geez 
names now are getting out of my head. Yeah. But yeah, just amazing musicians. And we put the show together that just rocked the house. And, and um, we were there. And that night there was, I think there was about three, I think there was four labels, uh, two management companies that okay. came to see the band. And same came to see me. Yeah. And that evening, uh, I was visited by uh, um, Neil Dixon from Dixon Propass Management. Um, he came up to my dressing room and uh, said, listen, uh, I was talking here with A&M Records and uh, we really like what you're doing and uh, we'd like the opportunity uh, if you're interested. Um, if you would like, I would manage you and uh, we'd sign you to A&M. <laughs> so, hmm. so like, what? So, so that <laughs> night, it was like a management company and a, yeah. a label all in one wow. evening. So yeah. it was wonderful. So you hadn't released uh, Holding Out for You and the Key and stuff no, yet, No, this right? was a, okay. nothing yet. This was yeah. just just on basis of the live show and, and I gotcha. the demos that were yeah. uh, were submitted. Well, they I was wondering about can... that because um, like Holding Out for You, I mean, it's beautiful production, nice harmonies. I love it. Mm -hmm. It's almost a Billy Ocean sort of Luther Vandross kind of flavor in, in some ways, nice hook. And I thought that's some money behind that. I mean, somebody is a serious. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That was the first single. Um, once, uh, we got involved with, uh, with Neil Dixon as okay. management and, uh, and A&M records, we were looking through my repertoire of songs and um, holding out for you. It was another, it was titled something else, but they paired me together with some really amazing writers and then Eddie Schwartz um, and I got yeah. together um, and co-wrote uh, holding out for you and angel and uh, yeah. a couple of other tracks on, on that album. And uh, so holding out for you was the first single. I got you. Uh, okay. Just to test the waters to see where it was going. Yeah, it was it was like that kind of a Billy Ocean type of uh, a vibe. Um, nice. You know that would that would sit really well in Adele Contemporary and and um, and, uh, and and somewhat pop. But you know it 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 really had that flavor for yeah. people to swing around with. So oh yeah, and where did you yeah. record that? I think we did that at Metalworks Studio. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was wondering because, you know, so oftentimes like you were talking about demos and people put out singles and stuff, but the production isn't great and you're just trying to cut in your teeth, but this was, was exceptionally good. So I thought, okay, there must've been, this couldn't have been just your own sort of demo from home or in a small studio. Was it serious? No, effort, no, right? we, we, we demoed it a number of times just to get everything right. And then we went in, okay. um, with uh, David Tyson, uh, David Tyson produced, and he produced four tracks. For he was just off off of doing um, Black Velvet, I believe the album was. Yeah, so he was off. He was just off of that, yeah. and he uh, came in and did the production of uh, Holding Out for You. Nice, and that was uh, okay. that was amazing. Well, it still sounds great. And the other thing is, it's not. You know, I mean, you can hear the synth. I mean, it's '80s pop. There's no doubt about mm -hmm. that. But, mm -hmm. but the production's smooth too. It doesn't have the the over the top sort of '80s effects that were overused. Yeah, <laughs> and I really appreciated that. Um, you know, th that sensitivity that uh, David Tyson brought to the to the project because we're wanting to do something that could stand the test of time, right? Yes. So, yeah. And we were always playing around. Oh, was this sound? What's that sound? Mm, that's going to be dated and in a year, you know, okay, let's change the sound. Right. So yeah. it was like, it was like that. So, and he really knew his stuff. Yeah. So I would, I just really felt comfortable 
um, him bringing what he needed to bring. Um, and so, yeah, we, we did, I think we did four, four tracks, um, with David. It was wonderful. Beautiful. And, and, and then uh, that was before releasing the album. So you had Temple of Love was the album that was released. Right? Temple was, of Love was the album. But, uh, before that we, you know, like, like all labels, they want to test the water a little bit okay. and, uh, throw some singles out there to see what would happen. And so we did that holding out for you. And then off of the heels of that, we did the key, which was an, more of an R&B dance vibe. And uh, David Tyson produced that as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that went on charts, um, the cheer pool at the time, there was a DJ pool called cheer and they were taking it and just, they just ran with it. It would became like number two yeah, uh, cool. of the year uh, in the, in, in, in the dance circuit. So you yeah. got a synth bass on there. Is that when I listen to it? It sounds like yeah. a synth bass in the front. Exactly. Yeah. It's very cool. That's 80s sort of power pop, it's, I guess. It's really probably. 80s power pop, <laughs> funk, and uh, and cool. dance. Yeah. You know, four on the floor, let's get out there and do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, uh, that was Dave's thing. It was awesome. Yeah. No, very cool. And then, and then you did For the Love of Money. And you, you took the intro from Pink Floyd's money. Right? Yeah, yeah, that was something I wanted to do because, I mean, it was, you know, I'm a big Pink Floyd fan, but at the yeah. same time, the love of money was of the temptations. Uh, money, 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 money. Um, I Actually, we did that down in New York. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, that was, you know, that was the time when, rap music was just starting to you know turn heads a little bit and i wanted to do a, a rap thing in in that song yeah. and uh you know i was told man you know rap is in some passing phase it'll be out next year don't do it and i was like oh no this is going to be cool let me do this little rap thing in the middle of this track you know yeah and it turned out really well we got some really great um uh reviews on it and uh rap didn't never go went away just yeah. <laughs> just kept going no, no i noticed <laughs> that too it, it wasn't hardcore rap you weren't you know doing 100 miles an no. hour kind of t but it's good i mean you're talking and it's, it's a good message to the song so it was actually appropriate in that song because you're trying to get that message across too exactly so I think it worked. yeah 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 it worked really well and uh yeah. and yeah we did consciously sort of meshed those two for the love of money together yeah you know very cool and uh and it, it worked out really well so and then neon boulevard is uh cool yeah that, that was <laughs> that was written specifically for a movie that was pending um, right. I knew the producer and the writer of the, of the film and actually he was, he was a dentist, but he had a, a great, um, writing skill and he had put together this film, uh, script and, and he was pitching and he, he got some bites on it and he wanted, um, to do a, a lead sort of a, a demo, um, with, uh, with a track that would sort of speak to the song or speak mm. to the, the movie. The movie theme, yeah. And the movie uh, was called Neon Boulevard. I wrote the song and actually had the chance to produce that one myself. Yeah, yeah. so I was, uh, you know, as I'm growing, I, I do want to get involved with the production and, and knowing of the production techniques and stuff like yeah. that. So I, I really got involved in, in that way as well on this, on that track. So yeah. Neon Boulevard was, was a great track to, uh, sort of cut my my 
first production teeth yeah. on. Yeah. After uh, A&M heard it, they said, yeah, okay, sure, you can do the rest. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, good. Well, it speaks well of you because I, you know, I've often said of myself, you know, I think my, my greatest asset is my curiosity. You just right. be curious, you know, go in there and say, Hey, what are you guys doing? How do you do this? How do you do that? And it sounds like you did that too. you you know, yourself to, to sort of learn the ropes and behind the scenes and be hunched over the console and kind of figure out what's going on. Oh yeah. I I'd be hanging in there, you know, like late at night, they're, they're doing their thing and, and, you know, fixing this and tweaking that. And I'm like, my one eyeball open, <laughs> seeing <laughs> yeah. what's going on. What is, what is that? You're you're, yeah. you're tweaking what? 10k? Well, yeah. So yeah, I you know it, I was a learning experience as well as um, yeah. an opportunity for me to to you know get my music out there. So yeah, yeah I took advantage of it all. So yeah. I have to ask about the genre because, uh, you know, the record companies always want to label certain I songs know. in a certain I way. Know. You know? And, and so, so one of the descriptors of that album is, is soul, electro funk, funk, R and B, electronic pop, electro. I mean, it's like, Ooh. yeah, it's like a, everywhere. <laughs> I know. How did I you know. wrestle I, with you that? Know, I, you know, it, I'm still wrestling with it. That's yeah, okay. the thing is that because of my diverse background, right and yeah. and everything it all comes out of me it's all coming out of my heart so i can't and i don't want to censor my creativity when when i sit down and i get inspired to something it could come out as reggae it could come out as funk it could come out as just an acoustic thing yeah so i i, I don't try to censor the creative flow um and so it's hard yeah it's hard to say okay i got something i'm going to put it out and of course all the DJs want to know what genre is it and where yeah. is it going to slide in this, in the, in the thing. And I'm, I'm just leave it up to them to figure it out. That's yeah. I've fair. come to that now that's, in my, in my yeah. age, <laughs> just leave it up to them to figure it out. Yeah, that's um, fair. I mean, that's fair enough. What are you supposed to do? You, yeah. They can categorize it any way they like, but you're creative. I guess on the music side, you just want to be creative on the other side. They want to market it. So they got to cut it, wrap it, freeze it. And sell it to the, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, what they're like, what am I have here? Is this bread or is this cabbage? I'm yeah, not sure. You a, know? <laughs> well, so, so that speaks to the, then you put out angel which is great. You obviously had some money behind that and then you had got the video and stuff, but then you, you won R and B soul recording. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Angel was the, the third, uh, single. And just prior to that, we had everything done and all the songs done for the album. And we were just getting ready to do the first, um, uh, pressing of the, of the album. Angel came out and, uh, yeah, David Tyson was on that, and of course um, Eddie Schwartz and I co-wrote co-wrote the songs, and um, that came out and just went boom, yeah. just took off. Um, the video it was a very very skimpy budget for the video, but yeah. you know we made it work. We made it work, and I, I was so pleased at the producer of the video. I mean, he brought in. His yeah. ex girlfriend. He had just broken up. <laughs> well, there was about 10, 10 people in there on the on the video, right? And right. in the big warehouse, I think. Right, right, yeah. right. And then, and 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 the angel who's down at the uh, the the shore there with the with the the birds, that was his girlfriend that he had just broken up, and he's like heartbroken, right? He's heartbroken. And the and we saying, okay, we need this this girl. It's like an angel. Yeah, she's like, a beauty. And he goes, oh my god, I know the perfect one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's brutal. laughs> 
That's funny. Yeah, she's a beauty, though. That's good. Yeah, yeah, it fit just uh, just perfectly. And, well, yeah, uh, man, a great song and great production. You got the sax in there. So, so again, I had to ask you about the genres because that was a kind of a disconnect because the album was kind of I don't know new wave ish, eighties right. ish, and then right. it's R and B too, and then you win the award for R and B. So I've shook my head a bit on that one. Yeah, they're trying to peg it to the wall, right? And yeah. it's hard because, and and same with uh, David. You know, he, he's just writing, and he's an R&B uh, keyboard player, and, and, and so he, it was an R&B song to me. It was all totally R&B, adult contemporary R&B. On the other flip side, yes, there was some funky stuff and some dancier stuff, and but synth, this and was synth yeah, stuff. And that, yeah, right? so this was, but this was the 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 sound that we wanted to go for for radio. Yeah, this okay. is what we wanted to premiere for radio, and so that came out, and it just. It took everybody by storm, and uh, it went to like number two in the Chum charts, and stayed there for like yeah. six weeks. It was just just amazing. Yeah, and uh, and then great. then yeah, then the Junos came around, and it was nominated um, for that. And then we actually had, had a chance to perform at the Junos, uh, which which we did the first year, um, and then the second year uh, again nomination for. Um, I think it was R&B soul album and single as well. And um, we didn't win. We did oh. perform though. We did yeah. do Temple of Love uh, there at, at nice. that uh, Juno Awards. And, um, and that uh, was good, but we didn't, we didn't win. We just, and that's the way the ball rolls, right? But the following year, it was another nomination and I was on tour. Yeah. We won okay. and I wasn't there to accept, but that oh. was okay. So, well, that's uh, the other thing I was going to ask you about. Like, did you have an actual band at that time or cause you had studio guys, obviously when you're recording an album, as, as many people know, you bring people in who are going to add to the album, but they're not necessarily in your band. Correct. Did, did you have Correct. an actual band or did you? I, we did put a band together and, um, we did, we did a series of shows in and around Toronto, um, the last one we did was the Ontario Place Forum show, which was huge. It was uh, I think it was um, Canada Day. Okay. And that was a, a really huge show that we did. Uh, it was all recorded on, on video. And so that's around somewhere. I've got that in the archive somewhere. And yeah. so, yeah, we we had to put a band together to do that. And, um, and we did a few more shows after that. And then things sort of went sideways in terms of getting dates, you know. Hmm. What happened was, first of all, you couldn't keep people on retainer and there's no dates forthcoming. Right. It was just sure, yeah. dry the coffers real quick. Yeah. Uh, and so the band had to be disbanded. So then I was looking for a way to actually do a tour uh, and do that. So we actually hooked up with the band Chukon. I don't know if you remember that band I out don't. of Montreal. No. Yeah. Well, they had just won, I think, Star Search or something like that. I can't remember exactly where they, they were down in, in L.A. and they were doing that. And they had won Star Search. And they came back to uh, Montreal and they were like, okay, we won Star Search, but we don't have any gigs. <laughs> yeah. And I had these uh, dates. So we yeah. said, why don't we put our you know collective um, vibes together oh, neat. and go out? And, uh, and and tour and that's what we did and we oh, cool. we went uh, from from Toronto to out to Calgary and that was the 88 Olympics okay. so yeah we we did the the tour all the way out there and stayed there for a couple of weeks while the Olympic was on did did shows there 
and did um, did a couple on the way back, and then we came back to Toronto and did some shows in Toronto. I think Diamond, someplace like that. Yeah. Um, so that was that was the the touring band because we didn't really have enough. I didn't really have my band uh, in the background right. because just couldn't afford to keep it going. Yeah, totally understandable. I mean, that that's the reality of it. If you don't have dates and, and you're not supporting it, then you're paying retainers and the record companies get really tired of that really quick. If you've got no, you know. Absolutely. So. And if you know the, the music industry, it's, it's so, <laughs> you know, the, it's your money really. That's so. right. Exactly. They're, they're getting it back from you when you sell records. So, <laughs> um, so, but then you lost that record deal. What happened with that? They just didn't renew your well, contract. Well, you know, it was, it was, it wasn't that it was a loss. It was, it was a mutually um, understanding. They didn't really know what to do with me. That was one of the things okay. because, because of my diverse background and, you know, okay, where do we chop? Where do you put you there? And they did want me to be, you know, sort of, Canada's, um, oh, what's the guy's like, name? Now? Like uh, Billy Ocean or Billy Luther Ocean. Vandross or somebody yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. You have the voice for it. I mean, you got that smooth, rich, you know, black voice, if I may say, yeah. but you got that tone for sure. It's beautiful. Right, right. And so yeah. they saw me as that. Yeah. And I didn't really see me as that. Okay. I saw me as more, more funkified with a little rock edge in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they wanted to really smooth out the edges. Yeah. I see. <laughs> Huh. And I was like, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so we came to a mutual agreement that um, it was time to part ways, and and yeah. uh, because they didn't, re- you know, I I presented them with the next set of tracks for the next album, and uh, they they were like, can we do more like this? And then that's when it okay. became apparent that mm, they don't know really what I'm what I'm about. So yeah. they want to treat me like that. I'm. You know, I think we should part ways and, and be good. Mm-hmm. And uh, they agreed. So. Yeah, because it's interesting because you had the springboard that, that most people are always the want but never get, right? I mean, you got, mm-hmm. you got the deal, you got the song, you've done the Junos, you've, you've got videos, you're, you're on your way, you know. But then what I ask people quite often is about chasing hit songs, right? The record company goes, so I had one friend that had a really successful song and the record company came back to him and said, we want 10 more songs just like that. And he goes, yeah. well, that's not what I do. I'm not right. writing 10 more songs just like that. I, I'm creative. So exactly. Do you have a so, problem with that? Yeah. There's, a, you know, it's the formula thing and, and I get it. It's all marketing. It has nothing to do with creative uh, yeah. doing anything. How can I market this better? Okay. If it sounds like this, then yeah, I know what to do with it. But if it sounds like that, <laughs> what do we do with that? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's so, a, it's a tough call, but I, I get the, it's the business of music, right? Music as a just as a, a, a vibe, you can go anywhere with it. You can do anything with it, and and it should be that way. It should be free in the in the creation. But well, I get it. Yeah, yeah. You and I would label. agree on that, obviously, because the the original singer songwriters or the cowboys they were writing songs out of their heart from their lived experiences, right? Absolutely. That, that's why they got signed in the first place. But then the record company wants to cut it, wrap it, and freeze it, sort of as, as they say. Yes. And then you're like, well, that's that's not a singer songwriter. So now you have professional songwriters that are just churning out whatever they think. You know, you don't ever it's have the to, next big know. thing, yeah. right? So it's and, a disconnect yeah. from the singer songwriter, right? It is. It is. And so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, you get to learn about the business of music uh, while you're in it, and <laughs> and you realize that you know some some of it is is not all what 
you yeah. want it to be. Um, and that's fine. Um, for me, it was, okay, time to take a, a exit stage left. Okay. And, yeah. um, which I did, which, you know, there was other, some other circumstances that was, was in there that propelled me, kind of propelled me out of that scene. And uh, I landed behind the console, uh, creating music for radio and television broadcasts. Awesome. Yeah. Which was amazing because I, I kind of had a feel for it. But um, once, once I started, it was like, wow, this is, this is way easier. Yeah. And create <laughs> 30 seconds, yeah. one minute. <laughs> yeah. Right? There you go. And, uh, and I had a great mentor. Um, I, I, we landed back here in, in Hamilton area where there was a company called uh, MJM Productions. Okay. And uh, Michael J. McCurley was a genius in in creating these these uh, jingles. And uh, I mean, he created uh, 96711, you know, Alexanians. I mean, just a genius in 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 this creation. And I learned a heck of a lot from him. Yeah. Uh, as I was his engineer, as well as at, at some point, I became a voice as well uh, as a as an artist. I could create. Um, jingles as well so we really got involved in in that whole thing and they had a whole a sales team that would go out and uh you know they'd we do cars oh, car neat. commercials yeah. you name it it was national as well regional as well as national Very clients cool. it was it was great for you know five six yeah. years of doing that and then uh in the middle time of doing that i was also creating music and and, and producing uh, for other artists and stuff like that and that's when i started working on uh, spa music stream which is a company that i have right now right I did um, see that. Yep. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's creating music for the healing arts community and 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 for uh, um, massage therapy, um, Reiki, and energy healing music. You know, yeah. all of that, all of the above. <clears throat> yeah. Well, tell and me so, about that a little bit because you uh, you have that streaming, and I think it's free. <clears throat> you say on there, right? You just allow people to use it. Well, it's not free. Um, you you can sign up for a you know seven day free trial. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, it it's it's really about um, getting the therapists to you know use music that is um, uh, sanctioned. Like you know, right now people, some people, most some of them will just take music from their collection and play it. Well, right. okay, they can't do that because the music police will come along and knock on the door and say, "Do you have rights to play that in your place of business?" And they don't. And uh, those are rights that are reserved for artists and they don't get paid for that right so yeah um what i've done is i've curated music from around the world with with artists and i pay them directly right oh. so they get paid per play so if somebody lands on the, the spa music stream and they're and they're playing a specific song it's not my song but it's one of my uh one of the um, providers of, of the music they get paid for that so Okay. You know, it's not like uh, they've taken somebody's CD into their salon and just right. played it. You know, there's no, there's no uh, royalties coming from that, and right. there should be. Yeah. Right? So, so that's the thing. Just so, so our listeners know, like if you mm -hmm. run a business and music is part of your business, you have to pay a SoCan fee, and it's absolutely. Best. And then, so some of these people aren't paying that, but the SoCan fee goes to distribute the royalties to various artists, and that's how they get paid, right? Right. Right. But I, I, you know, I mean, I have a, a bit of a sticky wicket with, with Sokin because okay. the music that's being, it doesn't necessarily go to the artist that's being played. 
it's not one-to-one. That's the strange no, part of it, right? They don't track <laughs> what you play. They just track that you're playing stuff. Right. So, the, yeah. Strange. So, yeah. yeah. So for me, I said, you know, let's empower the artists. Cool. Okay. Because they're the ones putting the their energy forward. And if people are using that music, they should get paid for it. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah, so absolutely. we created uh, Spa Music Stream and it, it's um, it's been going now for the last 12 years. Good for you. And uh, we, we have some major clients, Hand and Stone, Elements Spas, and and, and also just uh, regular uh, therapists, you know, uh, nice. that have a yeah. practice in their house. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very cool. And and I guess that speaks to, like, you have a deeper message in your music, right? That's obvious from Absolutely. the first time you open up your Facebook page. Like you, you say on your Facebook page, or sorry, your website page, um, you're a peace troubadour. You spread the vibration of peace through music and song, songs that sound and focus on increasing the feelings of love and peace for the listeners. And then if I may read the next one, he said, a conscious, diverse crossing of culture, sounds of aliveness, danceable, devotional, divine, funky, rocking, hipping, reggae, styling, <laughs> plenty of pleasing sounds, all with a peaceful, loving vibration. Well, what a great, I mean, how can you not go, okay, I'm in. Yeah. Like, I mean, you hear that and you say, okay, well, let, me, let me have a little bit of that vibe, yeah, right? I mean, totally. Yeah. So it does, it does speak to my, uh, you know, background uh, come from a lot of different places and incorporated all of these styles and vibes and feels and everything into, into everything that I've been doing. And, um, it's just been a blessing for me. So, yeah. I, you know, it's been wonderful. Well, the power yeah. of music to unite people. And it's, it's funny cause I read Victor Wooten's book, the, the music lesson. Mm. And he mm-hmm. really talks about that, that, that music is deeper than just the notes and the scales. And it's, it's really just a transference of that musical sensibility from one to another and making the world a better place in the process. Absolutely. I mean, you know, just imagine the world without music, right? Oh, it'd be awful. <laughs> it'd be so boring, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, so it's, it, it actually, and one of the things I learned from, um, Michael J. McCurley at MJM Music is, is that, you know, music is what it does to your emotional centers. It opens up your emotional centers so yeah. that you're then more receptive to the message, right? So yeah. when you like a piece of music, you're, you're feeling the vibration of that sound come across uh, physically, but there's a sub-level to that, I'll call it metaphysical level to that, that you feel your, your actual feeling gets it's resonating with you so you're yeah. vibrating at the same vibrational rate as this music is mm. and once that happens it opens up your a way for 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 to be influenced now yeah. i know it's because it's a marketing thing and i'm i'm a marketer as well so i know this because when we're creating a uh, piece of music for uh, a jingle we're taking into account a lot of different things because one, we're going to cut the music so that there's what they call a donut where the speaking part happens, right? right. So yeah. you have the announcer going, da, 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 but at the top, you've got the intro and da, 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 and the way we go. So it's specific to that client, whatever it is. And we're, we're taking into account the key, right? Mm-hmm. We're taking into account the, we call it the color, the color of the whole piece. Is it red? Is it, is it blue? Is it, is it hot or is it cold? You know, all of these things make something happen to the listener. And once the listener is then, we call it disarmed because it opens up this emotional center and then you're able to 
channel this message through that's when the announcer comes in <laughs> yeah yeah right hey buy my yeah. stuff yeah <laughs> Which everybody sort of gets, but but music is the portal, I suppose, if you want to Absolutely. So, yeah, so it's the key. If you've never read Victor Wooten's book, I would highly recommend it because from the things that I read on your website, you you would totally relate to that book. It's called mm. The Music Lesson by right. Victor okay. Wooten, famous bass player, Victor Wooten. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll check that would, out. Uh, definitely. So th- this power of music, did that sort of evolve or is that always the way that you sort of looked at music? Or, or did you sort of get it, into well, that more? It, it, yeah, it's it evolved because uh, you know it, it's just part of my growth, uh, yeah. and then I started looking at it that, that way, and and, so, right. and realizing well, be, it's it's amazing that I've had all these different influences because I can all bring them forward. It's like you know when you walk in in life, right? You pick up tools and you pick yep. them up. And you know, oh, that's nice. You put it in your bag and you carry on and. You, Along the way, I picked up all these tools, and now I can t- take them all out and go, okay, so what do I need to work on this? Oh, this tool, that one, this one, this one. And I've got all the tools that I need to work on it. So the, the power of music is, a, is, you know, for me, is, yeah. is everything. You know, sound, sound vibration, right? Us talking. That's, yeah. that again is well, part of it. And again, I mean, all the things that you've done sort of speak to this sort of driving theme that you've got. So I, I saw you, you're the CEO of the online spa music portal, but then you're, you're working with kids and, and doing the, uh, you know, the, I saw the Instagram post of you singing with the students and you're trying to help the young people and, and right. stuff. So that's just part of the whole vibe that you've created. Right. Just tell me right. a little bit about that. Well, um, I, I one time worked at uh, Queen Elizabeth park community and cultural center right. as, um, an engineer there. Cause they have a, a imagine a really amazing recording studio, you know, um, and, and they had nothing going on there in terms of, um, people learning and things like that. So, so I became an instructor there and I was teaching, um, uh, musical things, uh, singing, nice. um, song creation. We'd take a school, I'd go to the school and, uh, we'd have a program that I had created, uh, that we would start a song from scratch and yeah. they would, they would give me the lyrics. I'd start with lyrics. Let's go. What do we have? And they would give some lyrics. Okay, we've got that. Now let's find a beat. What is that? And, and everybody would have a different thing until we got until we got that beat that included everybody's vibe, right? And then we would take the lyric and continue working the lyric. And then I would bring it back to the studio, finish the creation. Then I would bring those students back to the studio to sing and record their creation basically okay. they created i would just help facilitate it um then we would there sing it i'd finish it and they and they would have it as a, a piece of music and a video to show yeah it was wonderful we had a great time doing well you can it. see we they're did, all we smiling. did a number of schools they're yeah, all smiling yeah. and happy i mean they're just completely engaged and they love you obviously <laughs> it was it was fun it's a lot of fun and you know these kids were the ones that were falling in, in between the cracks, right? They were, yeah. they weren't, uh, let's say, the, you know, the most loved in, in the schools or whatever, and and they were hard to get along with. But I didn't find them hard to get along with at all, right? Mm-hmm. You just had to speak their language, really. Yeah, yeah. And their language was music, really. Yeah. That was it. And respect, too, right? I mean, if you respect Absolute them respect. as human beings, then it yeah. changes the whole vibe right there. Yeah, yeah. absolute, absolute respect, yeah. you know, yeah. like... I really, I listened to them. Okay. That's one of the things that I, I felt was missing was they didn't have a voice either. Right. Mm, so, yeah. Like, okay. So what is it you want to do? Okay. This, 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 okay. So here's what that sounds like. 
Is that what you want? Mm, kind of. So, I mean, we would play around till we got it. Yeah. And once oh, they got cool. it that day, and that's when you saw the smiles come on. They yeah. felt proud. They felt <laughs> really good about themselves. And then when they got into the studio, man, it was just like, these guys were like, and really the teachers told me, said, I've never seen these people smile and have a good time. Go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they certainly were. No, that's good. Well, that's awesome. And, and then I saw the other video, Together We Can Stand Up. Uh, to, together We Can Stand Up with the uh, positive right. unifying message. Now, this is Brenda McIntyre, the medicine song woman. Is that? Uh, yes, this is Brenda McIntyre. And I produced her um, her album. Okay. Um, and she has an album out. And yeah. around COVID time, it was it was depressing for a lot of artists because we couldn't do anything. Right. We were, you know, sequestered and all this kind of stuff. And and. She came up with some lyrics and said, let's do that. Let's let's write it. And said, we can't go in the studio, but you've got something at home you could sing in. That's fine. And, and I'll put it all together. I'll, yeah. we'll just, let's just do it that way. And we did it completely virtual. Um, okay. Yeah. Everybody put their thing in and, and they brought it in and, and I, you know, put it into my DAW and away we went. Okay. And uh, that was the song. And then they all did their little video clips too. And then send yeah, them that in, was right? the other part was to get them to, you know, give me, send me their video clips so we can actually put a video together. Yeah, and, um, yeah Brenda's, uh, it was Brenda McIntyre's uh, daughter's fiance, who was the video director on that. Okay. And he did a fantastic job putting that together. Oh, it's good. It's a, it's positive. It sounds good. It looks good. It's just really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we wanted. We wanted to just lighten the load a little bit and just, you know, feel good and, you know, together we can stand up and, yeah. and we can beat this thing. We can do this. It's, it's, it's all good. So yeah. yeah, it was one of those type of vibes for sure. Yeah. And then you do acoustic music as well, like the stripped down sort of troubadour stuff. And you did Destiny, which is a really nice song. Comes across really well. Oh, you heard Destiny, well, hey? I, I I'll face your Destiny. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, that was never released. Uh, I, I did record it, but a, a different version of it it wasn't okay. uh, an acoustic version but you know someday hopefully yeah. soon maybe i'll i'll record that and and put it out as a as an acoustic thing i do sing um it on uh, sometimes there's a convention it's an online convention and um i use it through i do it through my daw and oh, okay it sounds really good and they love it well so i found i found it. it it came up so i watched it there was a video <laughs> um, but the cool thing about that you know years ago a, a music producer said to me you know you can always tell a good song if a guy can just pick up an acoustic guitar and sing it and play I, it and i had the same thing right same thing yeah yep that was said to me the same thing and said look listen a song's a song song but if you can play that song on acoustic guitar and it stands stands up yeah then it doesn't matter you can put whatever behind it around it inside it it's going to be the good song yeah. it's going to be a good song 100%. so good song good songs win out in the end so yeah and then so that is that why you re-recorded um one of us you did the joan osborne tune right and yeah what was yeah why did you it do was, that it was one of the songs that just kept coming around to me uh and um at one time i we had a, I had a reggae band after all said and done. I said, well, I mean, I, I got to get out there again and do some stuff. So I put together a reggae band with my cousins. Okay. Um, and, um, I wanted to do the, I wanted to do a remake of, um, one of us cool. in a reggae vibe. And so that came across and I did acoustic thing with it. And then I really did acoustic. So the one that you're hearing is a, an, a really acoustic version. Cause it's, all acoustic, even acoustic bass and hand drums as opposed to real okay. you know, 
drums. But you got a sax so, in there. There's the, and there's a sax yeah. in there. So uh, I had to have I had to have sax. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. And the harmonies are. I mean, it's beautiful production. It's nice. It's, it's that's a vibey tune, anyways. Like it the is. way that you did it. it so is. that's yeah. No, very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Really appreciated that, and I really liked uh, recording that song and and actually doing the video for it. Yeah. Um, and that was you know one of these low down videos that uh you know my cousin had a camera camera come on let's go shoot it well you're on the bus there i was wondering yeah exactly you know hamilton forms for everybody on the bus exactly (laughs) (laughs) or you get these blackout on their eyes or whatever but no and then the guys there you know it was just perfect it was a perfect day and then we went to the park and we went down by the the waterfront and did some stuff there and it just spoke to the song it just Cool. It was a perfect thing, so yeah, I was I was very happy with that. And then the song "Digital" is the word. When did you? When did that come out? Well, yeah. that was that song. I, there's an album. Well, it's a sing a CD um, released '92, I think it was, called "From the Inside Out." Okay, and uh, it's not widely um, uh, distributed. Uh, you may find it. You may not find it, but I think I'm, at some point I'm going to end up putting it on my uh, on my website for for download. Okay, but there's some really amazing songs on there. Um, uh, Digital is the word is one. Uh, some of what I am is another mm. one. Some of what I am is about you know really about me. Yeah. Um, this is the sum of what I am, and it, right. it's the good, the bad, the the left, the right, the dark, the light. Yeah, every all of it, you know, that's me, and so, so it's got some really amazing songs on the, on there. And okay. um, digital is the word was something that I saw coming. Yeah, I saw how it, the digital uh, things was transforming our industry as as a musician. I saw drum machines come in and take over right. drummers. <laughs> well, that's why I asked you what year it was put out because that's why I wasn't sure because it's it's very it was you were looking ahead and you could see, you know. Yeah. Yeah saw that so was that part of because you rebounded out of amm asoma records was it or yes so that's uh, that's was the beginning of asoma records okay and asoma records came in to release um a couple of cds projects that i had okay um and then we did production for other artists on that on that label gotcha okay um yeah i was wondering about that i was going to ask you about that earlier after the a&m stuff but uh so mm-hmm. yeah. was that your own label or was that somebody else like an independent no, label? No, that that was uh that was my own label. Okay. Um, we did I think we did four CDs. Uh, some of what I am is is a big one for me. We did some other ones that wasn't so big, but some of what I am or um uh, from the inside out, I should say, is the yeah. is the title. Okay. Um is is a really great. I'll send you a copy of that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'd love to hear you it. like it. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, very cool. Where's your audience now? Who's your audience, and how do you reach? Well, them? you know, it's 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 a it's a funny thing because it's it's kind of blues, R and B, soul kind of vibe, uh, and and this band that um, that I'm in now um, came about very funnily. It was I was like, okay, I'm stuck in the house. I'm tired of it. I just, I don't know. I've got to do something. And then um, it just sort of came across that um, Earl Johnson, who's a guitar player, ex guitar player from Moxie, he uh, he had a, a blues band, was pretty much blues, a little a little soulful, but he was looking for a, a singer, and I thought, 
and I knew him from back in the day, and I knew some of his uh, friends as well. And hmm. yeah, so he okay. he uh, he I, he asked me to join his band, and I, oh. I I went to see them, and I thought, you know what, this is kind of cool. I think I could do this, and I think it'd be kind of neat to have my R&B sort of vibration in here, uh, doing you know a little blues, a little. A little rocky blues, a little funk, if we can, yeah. soul, and so we're doing we're doing much of that, and uh, we've got uh, ten original songs ready to go, nice. uh, already uh, mixed, not mastered, but mixed and ready. We're doing some shopping, and uh, there's some interest, and um, it seems like uh, you know it could come up in the next little while. I'm Very thinking cool. next year. Yeah. And um, on the heels of that, which is really cool, is that um, Universal Music uh, is looking at re-releasing uh, Temple of Love. Oh, nice. Oh, as good. a digital, because it never did get to digital. Yeah. We were pre-digital, pre-CD. Right. Right. So they were looking at their catalog and they were looking at it and they called me up and said, did this thing ever get onto like digital platform? I said no because it came out pre uh, the digital realm, mm. and so that they're making ways for that to happen, which is going to be fantastic. It's going to breathe new life into it, yeah. And uh, and even on the heels of that, there's an opportunity for me to possibly do uh, the song in the in the U.S. with a with a company that's looking at putting it out, putting Angel out again in the U.S. because it never made it to the U.S. either. Yeah. So. And, and, and this is a film company, so they've got it earmarked for a film that they've got uh, coming up. And uh, they're very, very excited to, to get involved with this project. Oh, good. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of exciting things happening, yeah. um, not that? only with the band Tribes, uh, with Earl Johnson um, and myself and uh, Dave Davidson on uh, drums and um, Donnie Hill on, on bass, yeah, we're tribes is is out there. We're 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 coming to a hopefully a theater near you soon. Oh, good. So you're going to go out and do some touring. Well, that's what I was asking about. You know, where's your audience and how do you find them? So you talk about the publishing and getting songs in uh, in movies or or getting some kind of um you know a major publisher with like Universal behind you to, to mm-hmm. sort of exploit those tunes in a way that uh, might be beneficial. Because the whole radio thing, I used to ask people how much the music business has changed in the last fifty years when I started doing this podcast, and they just laughed yeah <laughs> usually oh my goodness it's it's, it's I, I don't even recognize it so what it's, do you do now just well i don't know that much about it anymore because it's it's a, it's a different animal yeah. it's all online and uh you got to have you know your instagram you've got to have all the uh the social media platforms and, and all the digital platforms to yeah. provide your music to you know at this point, I, I look to my son, who's, who's <laughs> yeah. 21 years old. He's all about that stuff, and he can help me navigate through some of it, you know, uh, yeah. fairly easily. Um, for me, because I've, I've I've sort of stepped out of the commercial music scene, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and doing other things like um, you know, spa music stream and and just you know, one off shows and one off things with my acoustic guitar. I'm not concerned. I wasn't concerned about where it was going to land in terms of yeah. is it is it on Spotify? Is it on you know iTunes? And but now I do. So right. <laughs> I'm starting to learn real fast. Well, I guess yeah. I mean, if it's one thing to to put out the music, but then you're trying to monetize it and then promote it. I guess the promotion part of it is is the the 
the most difficult maybe now because the radio isn't what it used to be and the internet's like the wild west i mean what do you you know what do you do yeah yeah exactly and what we've had you know we've had people listen um radio people listen to it the stuff that tribes uh, is doing and although it's 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 r&b soul you know adult contemporary type they still go it kind of falls between the cracks and i'm saying well what crack is that yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know because everything is sliced 10 times more than it was back in our day i'd say i can't even know, follow yet. the genres like there, if you look at just to make a list of genres <laughs> like there's a hundred and something of them i can't even like what right <laughs> so like yeah exactly so like uh, you know just make up a genre and put us in there that's all so yeah <laughs> Yeah, because it's ridiculous, really. So anyhow, I just I don't know where it's going, but yeah. I'm, I just want to have fun with it. Good really, you. that's that's the that's the name of the game well, yeah. for me with it yeah. is uh, is to have fun. If I'm not having fun, then I'm not going to do it. Well, and, and again, just, as as you get older, I mean, it's you know your life doesn't depend on what happens. You, you do exactly. it positive exactly. about it, whatever it is. What it yeah, is. exactly. Yeah, so. and you know, and that's the same thing. Susan. I I I. You know, they say, let's play some more, let's clubs, club and bars. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been the bar circuit, done that, been there, yeah. and I don't necessarily want to go. But I'll do a few, yeah, some key places that um, that we can do. But I, I'm really, we're really setting our sights on on the festivals of the summer and yeah, good. and uh, and uh, more more theater performances and maybe opening up for some other things like that. Cool. You know, and that'll be the band tribes. That'll be the band tribes. And, and so yeah. how do you connect with that? Have you got a, a Facebook page or um tribesmusic.com? That's okay. our, our website and you can go there and you can listen to some of the we've put some teasers on nice. on for people to, yep. to listen to some of that stuff. And um and you can join our Facebook uh, fan page yeah, too. Nice. So, okay. Tribes music. Mm -hmm. Well, very cool. And then you mentioned the U.S. Did you ever go down to the States? Did you ever play down there? Did you ever think about moving down there? Okay. I went a couple times to do a couple things, but I didn't spend enough time down there to gain any momentum. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and Temple of Love album was never released in the U.S. Ah, too bad. So it was a bit of a you know, who are you kind of yeah. thing going yeah. down there. Well, surprisingly, <laughs> and, uh, even some acts that are well-known in Canada had the same problem down there, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Who's this right? guy? So, but uh, fortunately for me, you know, a lot of musicians and, and friends that were here around that time did migrate to the U.S. And I, you know, stayed in, in touch with them and contact with them. And so some of them are, uh, you know, still great friends of mine. And so I get a chance to... Uh, pull on on their uh on their strings every nice. now and then yeah. and uh, a friend of mine i just made the um i was just got featured on the cover of vitali vital vitali magazine so v-i-t-a-l-i -I magazine nice. so um you want you may want to google that and check that out yeah. uh, we'll vital vitali magazine.com yeah oh, good so awesome. that was uh, that's yeah. exciting and that's in sort of preparation for the things that could be coming up in uh, you know with me and the song angel and the recreation of that nice. for um for um the big screen mm -hmm. well cool though well, i really applaud that because i mean you know when you've done something in the past that was a substantial effort and it gets revisited years later i mean that's that's you know that's cool 
Yeah, it's a neat thing. I uh, yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really excited about it. That yeah. you know, I'm I didn't push for anything in any of that stuff. I'm just you know doing my thing, doing spa music stream again. Yeah. Again, with my um, I also have a digital agency that uh, I work with as well, and just doing those things is is full time, right? Yeah. So I'm doing that, and then uh, this sort of stepped up. And another thing that came onto my thing was that they did a documentary on me, the oh, <laughs> Temple of Love documentary nice. that's yeah. they're um, putting together and uh, this company called Digital Sabbath yeah. um, production company. And we shot a lot of it already. I think they're still putting some of it together. Sweet. And that all came about by my, uh, my nephew, uh, Aaron Francis, who's sort of the family historian and okay. curator of, of a um, online sort of, gallery called um, vintage black canada nice. call. yeah and uh so yeah i'm looking forward for that to come out so yeah. everything could could you know be this big conjunction of this cool. happening that happening <laughs> this coming out when and everything when do you out. think on the well documentary i'd say i'd say uh sometime next year okay i think yeah. uh later in the year because yeah. we're, we're still doing some editing and probably looking to uh yeah to get it into a few of the uh, film okay. festivals and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Well, I'll have to ask you about the racial thing because, uh, you know, being a black artist, like in Canada, I mean, I've had, I've played with, with people of color and all different mm -hmm. kind of races in my band. We just don't really, it's not an issue for us at all. But then I know sometimes when, when you're in a particular group, say an ethnic group or whatever, there might be a consideration there. How, do, how did that work for you? Was there ever an issue there or? There was never an issue. You yeah. know what? Like it's, you know, you're hearing me now and I sound like, I could be a white guy, right? Yeah, whatever. It's just, <laughs> which again, I, I don't know. Really... <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that's the thing, yeah. but you know, I, I do have, you know, fairly, you know, deep Jamaican roots. So we so can talk like this anytime you want, yeah. you know, you can <laughs> yeah, do man. the thing. So, <laughs> yeah, man. So, but you know, once, you know, rock and roll is, is, is easy, right? So when in the band and you're doing Led Zeppelin, I mean, we, we played for, bikers we played for, you know and everybody's like yeah man yeah. that's the best you know <laughs> yeah, so exactly whatever what is, you know they don't see color yeah, when when they're at that at that point and i didn't see color that's the thing yeah. it's like i don't i didn't see color yeah and you know for some people black and white they're going to take offense to that because they're stuck in that place that you know that's my identity right and that's okay yeah. but in my uh, growing up, I chose to adopt all these cultures. So yeah. even the indigenous culture, I mean, I do, I go out and I record powwow drummers nice. with a company called Tribal Spirit Music out of Quebec. They're the premier um, drum making uh, company. And these powwow drums are huge. Have you ever been to powwow? Uh, years ago, but not for a long okay. time, but they're loud. So I know that. <laughs> they're loud and they sing at the top of their range and wow. it is thrilling. Yeah. And to go out and, and, uh, and record these groups. And I've been doing that for the last 10 years nice. on, 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 on the powwow trail. The thing is, is that you go out and record this stuff and you bring it into the studio and you turn it up and people start <laughs> freaking out <laughs> because it's so dynamic uh, yeah. and so powerful. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I just, music is music. I don't see, I don't see the racial divides. Well, I appreciate I, you I saying just, that because you know, that your whole message is, you know, our humanity 
and the things that bring us together transcend whatever particular racial group or whatever you're part Absolutely. of. It just doesn't, you know, in the end, that's, it's, it's a, it, it's not that it doesn't matter, but it's not a factor in how we relate to one another. I would think. Correct. And, you know, if you, if you view things from that perspective first, then, then things become, to me anyways, it becomes yeah. way easier to adopt and just be, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, good. Well, thanks for speaking to that. I wanted to ask you about that because some people, they bring it up and it's, as you said, it's their identity, it's front and center, and that's the, the main focus of what they're doing. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, well, fair mm-hmm. enough. But, you know, yeah. there's other yeah. things that are more important, I think, like <laughs> relating to one yeah. another. I, I, I believe so. I mean, really, that's the only way that this world is going to survive. If we, you yes. know, take these, these angst. And, and granted, yes, there's there's reason for them because there's been wrong doing on, on cultural things, right? There's been wrong things that have happened, and and that those need to be corrected. So that yes, yeah. but at the same time, we need to now you know treat each other as one because. You know, when you cut each other, what do you see? You see blood. It's red, right? Fair enough. And 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 I've always said too, like I I can't do much about the history and and about the structures, but I can be respectful to every individual that's put in my path. Absolutely, and, I will do and that. that's the main that's the main thing, brother. Yeah, that's thank uh, you, yeah. thank you for that. Not so, be respectful. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So one last question, if I may, we've gone a little bit over time here, but I do appreciate you're such an interesting guy to talk to. So I. <laughs> I stretched oh, it a bit, but, uh, so looking back on your career, is there anything in your life, anything you would change or do differently and how things were handled? Well, I could say, yeah, but you know, it's, it's all made me who I am today and things, you know, the failures or whatever, um, they're not failures, they're opportunities to, to learn and to, you know, retry and, and redo. Um, so no, I think everything is in complete divine order yeah. the way that it came out. And yes, there's been, you know, some pit pitfalls and, you know, potholes in the road and yeah, mm-hmm. you bump into it and you get a flat and you fix the flat and you go. Yeah. Well, no, that's, right? that's fair. And and those are the defining <laughs> moments that actually build your character, I suppose. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, George St. Pierre, the famous MMA artist, George St. Pierre said in his book, you know, I learned a lot more from fear and from losing a fight than I ever did from winning a fight. Mm-hmm. And I thought that mm-hmm. was a pretty good admission, you know, like when you, when you suffer a loss, he said, it really makes you look in inside yourself. Exactly. And, and figure out what's going on. So, yeah. Exactly. So good for you. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, we, we didn't touch on all of these th- things, but yeah, uh, if you if you get a chance to see the documentary, Temple of Love documentary, I go deeper into some of the the potholes that happened in the in the music industry for me, right. and uh, and how I dealt with those. So I, I get a little more uh, in depth with some of those things. Well, I appreciate that. Full documentary. Yeah, when that documentary comes out, there'll be a link. I'm assuming to it, and uh, uh, yep. we can share yep. that. And I'll, I'll like your page, and then we'll share that when that comes out for sure. Perfect. Yeah. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, good. Well, well, thanks for the wonderful conversation. Thanks so much. Yeah. Many thanks to my guest, Errol Star Francis, for being part of the Liner Notes podcast and sharing some insights from his career and the interesting life that he's lived. And more information is available on his music pursuits and the other things that he's involved in. ErolStarFrancis.com, lots of stuff on there, lots of links. Facebook.com, Errol Star Francis, you can look him up there. SpaMusicStream.com is uh, where that is located. And then GraceOnlineMarketing.ca. 
and then also tribesmusic.com. So, man, what an interesting guy with lots of stuff going on. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and invite you to subscribe to it and share it on social media so others can enjoy it as well. And we also invite you to listen to Dusty Discs Radio Tuesdays and Thursdays to hear the music from the Canadian artists you're hearing on this show. So until next time, I'm Dan Dan.